0: Our focus text today comes from the book of Ezekiel. We'll be reading from chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. I invite you to follow along on your screens. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and you will cause, and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied that as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the dry bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, I will place on you, uh, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. There are some biblical texts that are seldom read in the context of, well, church life. (laughs) Many times that's because those parts of the Bible are obscure and they're hard to relate to. Other times, though, it's because the text is graphic and violent in a way that is just off-putting. So, let me give you an example of one of these off-putting texts, so to speak. Psalm 137 is seldom read, but when it is, it's often paired with our ezekiel focus text that we we just heard today. And it goes, uh, the Psalm goes like this. Alongside Babylon's river, we sat on the banks We cried and cried, remembering the good old days in Zion. Alongside the quaking aspens, we stacked our unplayed harps. That's where our captors demanded songs, sarcastic and mocking. Sing us a happy Zion song. Oh, how could we ever sing God's song in this wasteland? If I ever forget you, Jerusalem, let my fingers wither and fall off like leaves. Let my tongue swell and turn black. If I fail to remember you, if I fail, oh dear Jerusalem, to honor you as my greatest, God, remember those Edomites and remember the ruin of Jerusalem. That day they yelled out, wreck it, smash it to bits. And you, Babylonians, ravengers, A reward to whoever gets you back for all that you've done to us. Yes, a reward to the one who grabs your babies and smashes their heads on the rocks. Yeah, I've never been that angry at someone or a group of people to hope that their children die horrendous death. I don't know that kind of pain and I've never been wronged in that kind of way but I know others have. And there was a time when the people of Israel were wronged in this kind of way. There is one historical event that shaped the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament dramatically. That event is the destruction of the nation of Israel, including the temple and the exile or deportation of its inhabitants to Babylon in 587 and 586 BCE. It's an event that is so horrific an event that is so pivotal to ancient ancient Israel's history that the Old Testament books are often categorized around that event, falling into one of three sections, pre-exilic, exilic, or post-exilic literature. I mean, you could think about those periods like COVID. There was life and the way things worked pre-COVID, And there is life and the way things work post-COVID, or whatever you want to call this time. I mean, the exile of Israel functioned just like that. So to briefly summarize this event, Israel was located at the crossroads of three great superpowers that fought continually for supremacy. Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. And as a result of its geographical location, Israel was prone to foreign occupation. And as history has taught us, occupied nations often revolt against their occupier. Such was the case for Israel. Through poor leadership, false assumptions, and bad planning, Israel revolted against Babylon, who in turn did what any occupier would do to insubordinate nations. They put down the revolt, they plundered the city, and they removed the citizens in such a brutal way that it would serve as an example to others not to disobey. This is the context for Psalm 137. It's also the context for our focus text in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is addressing a deported, broken community living in the land of their captors. Life is not well. You don't write a Psalm about killing your enemy's infants if you are mildly inconvenienced. No, 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 this is a bad time for Israel. So speaking to this devastated community of people who feel like dry bones, Ezekiel describes a field, a battlefield filled with bones. And he asks a really important question. Can these bones live? Is it possible for new life to come out of tragedy? Is there a future that cannot be seen? Um, Is there a future for wholeness, for peace and for contentment? And that question is just as important for us as it was for the ancient Israelites. Can these bones live? So you should know that I've been accused by my family of being a pessimist. (laughs) I don't think that's true, but right now the vote is three to one and I'm losing. But I think that just means my family doesn't understand me, right? As most pessimists say, I'm not a pessimist. I am a, you know how to answer this? I'm a realist, yeah. So let me do a little experiment with all of you. I want you to look at these letters and then tell me what you see. And I'll give you about five seconds to look at them. Here you go. All right, so let's start here. How many of you read this phrase as, opportunity is now here? Okay, how many of you read this phrase as, opportunity is nowhere? If you read it the second way, opportunity is nowhere, ah, you are my people. Let us bask in our negative realism together. I mean, perspective is really important for how we live life and see the world around us. When I was a kid, I grew up playing with a ViewMaster. Do you know what those are? Uh, they they actually still make them. It's this old school analog version of a virtual reality headset. You would put in a round disc, look through the lens, and be able to see these three D pictures. Using the, uh, the lever on the side, you could advance the disc to the next picture and it would tell you a story. Looking through the lens of the ViewMaster, you could see a place, a time, a world that you did not have access to. The land of the dinosaurs, um, the ocean, the cartoon characters of your day. I mean, VR headsets do the same thing, but a thousand times better. And in a way, the biblical stories, they do something very similar. The biblical writers, the prophets, Jesus, they invite you to look at your life and the world using the lens through which God sees. So, to the dry bones deported, rotting on foreign soil, dreaming of committing infanticide against their enemies, Ezekiel asks a question, Can these bones live? Look through God's eyes. Do you see the life returning to them? Do you see God's breath filling them? Can these bones have life? Just before you answer, look differently. See how God sees. Yes, he says, these bones can live. Honestly, I don't know how I would respond to Ezekiel's message if I suffered a deep loss or tragedy. Can these bones live? Well, the pessimist or realist in me says, no, of course not. The loss is too great. The pit is too deep. The darkness is overwhelming. The anger and the hatred are too strong. The brokenness is permanent. I can't move forward. And certainly you cannot expect that of me. (laughs) And yet, the nagging, persistent voice of God speaks in the background. See what I see, look how I look, see that in brokenness, in despair, in the midst of insurmountable challenge, in a field of dry bones, there is still life, there is still possibility, there is still hope. These bones can live. What Ezekiel is getting at is this thing called hope. Hope is incredibly powerful, even for those of us who are inclined to see the glass as half empty. I mean, being exposed to hope on a regular basis, it absolutely can change our perspective. It is life-giving to sense that there is something beyond what we can see, that God works to bring about life in all circumstances. This is important because we don't have any guarantees in life. Therefore, it is only hope that enables us to live life and not be paralyzed by it. We hope that our children will be well. We hope that our partner's spouse or significant other will continue to love us in the future or that we would find someone who would love us as we are. We hope that our teenagers would make wise decisions, that diseases would be cured and that everyone would have enough to eat. We hope for these things. We are not guaranteed these things. But hope, it allows us to move forward when it doesn't make sense to do so. Hope moves us to action. In fact, all of Jesus' ministry, what he did, what he said, that was all directed at giving people hope. Not a superficial false hope, but a hope that is rooted in God's love, grace, and compassion. (laughs) This is really good news. For a world that is full of dry bones which often take the form of our fears or low points in our life that being said i don't think seeing the world as god sees it comes easily i don't think finding hope in our brokenness is something that we just decide to do one day i don't think that's how it works rather hope is learned and experienced over time in life in our relationships with others The ministry that we do here at Bethlehem, our worship, our faith formation, our spiritual direction, our social and outreach ministry, caring for the sick, accompanying our dying, sharing our stories online, our service work in the community. I mean, everything, I mean everything, all of this is done that you, over time, may come to hear, see, and experience hope to see the world as God sees the world, and to come to realize that for all of the dry bones in our lives and in our community, that these bones can live. And this is the good news that we hear today in our focus text. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. After hearing our focus text today and the meditation on that text, here are a couple of reflection questions to take what we heard and uh, apply more deeply to your life so that the story of our faith can meet you right where you are today. So question number one, where do you see dry bones in your life, in our community, in our, in our world? And question number two, uh, where do you see hope in your life and in your community? In other words, where do you see God working to bring life back to the dry bones in our world?